this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we're back with a request to review. Requested, requested review. review. Yay! We haven't done one in a while. It's been a couple, oh, probably like a month and a half or so, maybe two months since we've been able to squeeze one in. Has uh, it? Yeah, well, we got crazy busy with some uh, roundtables, and then we had some interviews lined up that fell through, so we had to backfill those with some other interviews and some random reviews that we picked to fill the space and got behind on our request reviews. So we're going to be doing a bunch of request reviews that have been waiting in the coming weeks. First one we're getting to is actually by a gentleman named Abe. I didn't get Abe's last name. But Froman? Us, yeah, Abe Froman, Sausage King of Chicago. He uh, suggested that we check out two different bands, and so I rolled the dice, and this is the one we came up with first. They're called Section 88, Jay. Section 88 or Section 8? I think Section they're called 8. Sec- <laughs> the band's called... The band is called Section 8. Yeah. The album is called 88 Centimeter or CM Canone. K-A-N-O-N-E. Which is a type of cannon. Oh, okay. If you look at the album artwork, there's a giant cannon on the front of it. Right. That is a cannon type. Okay. That's what the CM stands for, centimeter. So it's the, I believe, the diameter of the... The, the barrel of the cannon. I see. Yes. The things you learn when researching a band name. <laughs> All of a sudden, I've become an expert on uh, World War II cannon types. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Abe suggested this. Uh, he didn't get to give us any notes on why. He did on his other suggestions, so we're going to bring those up. But he did mention that this record, the only one by this band, came out in 1996, and it was produced by Ted Poley. Jay, how would people know the name Ted Poley? From Danger, Danger, duh. Of course. <laughs> I think Chip Midnight is probably the only person who lives in this podcast that knows, knows who Ted Poley is. And uh, they have, of course, had a hit single with uh, Naughty Naughty going with the, the duplicate <sighs> word theme. I think they did that a lot. So here's the interesting thing about Ted Poley. After Danger, Danger, he had another band, Jay. Do you know what they were called? Uh, Poley Poley. No, Bone Machine. Right. And so he had a couple guys who played with him in Bone Machine. They were named Ted, or no, there's actually, I don't have a first name, T. Bodner mm-hmm. and J3. Like J and the letter three, and then the number three. Right. They played um, J3, played guitar, and uh, Bodnar played drums and sang backing vocals. For this band, Section 8, this was basically Ted's band doing their own thing. So the Bone Machine band doing their own sounds and what have you. Mm-hmm. And so Bone Machine, according to Discogs, put out two albums in 1996. One called Disappearing Ink and one called Search and Destroy. Two different sets of artwork, two different sets of you know songs. And then this album also came out in 1996. So apparently this was a very busy year for these guys because they put Mm. out three albums, if you can believe the internet when they're dating of things. Right. So this was the bands from New Jersey. 
Was Danger Danger a New Jersey band? Uh, I I don't know. All right, because uh, Ted Pulley's listed as the executive producer of this record, and they have a mailing address with a PO box in Hackensack, PO box in Hackensack, New Jersey. The interesting thing is, so they have a thank you page, which is the normal thing where they thank like the people who were involved with like producing and their lighting guy and for live sound and you know those sorts of things. People who did the artwork and. But then it goes into like a bunch of random stuff. Like it thanks the New York Giants. Um, it thanks Michael Palin, Terry Jones, John Cleese, Eric Idle, and Terry Gilliam, better known as uh, uh, Monty Python. And um, George Lucas and ILM are thanked. Why do you need to thank Industrial Light <laughs> Magic as a obscure band from New Jersey? I don't know. Uh, so there is a. And they thank some. Um, some elements they think marble fuel and coal <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah this is kind of awesome yeah i'm not sure what was going on there but there's a there's a bunch of random thank yous that i can't i don't know if they just put them in there to see if anybody would read them like it was just they were just being funny mm. but uh so that's the uh that's all we know about section 88 if you do a, a search on them they don't have a wikipedia page they're not on all music if you go to heavyharmonies.com, which tracks like heavy metal bands, there's a brief mention of them that this is their only release. And there's the notes that I, I gave you. They're on Discogs, and that's about it. So that's all. That's all we got to go with, Abe. We don't have a lot of backstory on this band, so we're gonna have to just you know listen to the songs and then tell you what we think about them, like we normally do. Want to mention that uh, we did place this over at patreon so that people could comment on it um i think people had a hard time finding it i actually had to order the cd um i bought it from uh like a used cd shop in rural pennsylvania and they sent it to me that was the only way i was getting this album wow it's not on the internet anywhere you're not gonna get mp3s of it no kidding so do you want to mention, because we did preview it over at uh, Patreon, that you can go over there uh, for a dollar a month. You get ac- behind-the-scenes access. You get bonus clips from interviews and roundtables and that sort of thing. And you get uh, all the previews for upcoming episodes like this one. And then also at the 250 level, you get the album review after 12 months for 2017. So, Jay, let's talk about Section 8, not 88, and their lone album, 88CM Canone. I think that's how you say it. Jay, yep. tell me something you liked about this record. There, there are several things. Uh, I, I like the singer a lot. Yeah. Really, really talented. I think there's some great uh, performances captured here. And he, uh, he's reminiscent of times of uh, Doug Panic from King's X, but then also mm-hmm. can do, um, he can go higher. So he can kind of do a, a soulful kind of rock feel, but also uh, he can scream pretty damn well. There, there's some moments on here where he, he gets pretty aggressive and uh, pushes it, and, and it works really well. So, and, or even like uh, like when Allison Chain is maybe more in their most melodic frame of mind, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could hear a little bit there as well. So, yeah, I, I really, really like the singer quite a bit, and kind of amazing that i did a little bit of research ahead of time which i don't normally do just because i liked his voice so much and wanted to try to find something else he had performed on and 
I, I came up with nothing with nothing, just like you. So yeah. it's kind of remarkable that somebody this talented, this is seems to be one of the few things they that was released with their voice on it. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned King's X, and I, th- I feel like that's a, a, a good starting point for people who obviously are not going to be familiar with this band. Most people are not going to be familiar with this band right? based on how obscure we've explained that they are. Um, there's a diversity to their sound that I like. Um, you don't get the same sort of by-the-numbers rock. I mean, this guy could easily be doing like 80s metal style with that voice. Mm. And like Doug Pinnock, He's doing, you know, if you take track two, which is uh, Conform, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, cl- it starts out with this really, like, kind of off time signature, like uh, a broken beat, like very technical sounding, and then it goes into this melodic verse that's slowed down, mm-hmm. and it reminded me a lot of, of, of a King's X style um, riff, and then their, you know, really smart use of melody in um in in a way that uh you know when we were reviewing um what was the what was the ear candy yeah that's what we did yeah you know there were songs on there where they were they had like you know harmonies and stuff like that that almost had like a beatlesque kind of uh mm-hmm. thing going on and and not to say that th- this band gets into that territory but you know there are times where you there's really unexpected twists and turns that think only a, a band in terms of being a, a, a metal influenced band that King's X have been able to like successfully pull off. And mm-hmm. there are some, there are some times where they take it in some directions that I don't necessarily have. It's a 14 song record and the 14th track is 14 minutes with a lot of random stuff going on. Yeah. It was 14 minutes. So it's definitely, you know, it's a long record. But when you get to like, like track three, Mm-hmm. That's a total curveball. That track, like you're you're kind of thinking it's going to be this like mid tempo rocker, and then all of a sudden it goes into like a shoegaze part. Yeah, like this like big blissed out guitar, and I think there's a female vocal. It sounds like. Did you th- did you feel like there was like a female vocal, or was that just him singing a falsetto? Uh, I, I assumed it. That was him in a falsetto. Okay. Again, adding to the the range I I mentioned yeah. there's a couple times on here where he he does some falsetto stuff. I just, yeah, I assumed it was him.
because it's pretty stripped down, like from a production standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, it's well recorded and engineered, but for the most part, vocally, it's, you know, a single vocal. Um, I think there's a couple times where there might be a harmony or some kind of background vocal, but you know, the, the main vocal, it's not doubled or, you know, there's some choruses where they add some extra reverb, but, um, and then they add some distortion on a couple other songs to give it some intensity. Yeah. Well, for the most part, it's a pretty honest, you know, recording, or at least it sounds like from a, from the core band, the main vocal, the, the, the main guitar and, and drums. So yeah, I just assume most of the performances I was hearing here were one of the two or three guys in the band. Yeah. That distortion shows up on like, um, like track 11 declaration mm-hmm. which, or sorry, track 10. It, yeah. it almost sounds like it could be like an early Nirvana demo. It's such yeah. a weird turn. I had, uh, yeah, I had, uh, stone temple pilots for that. Mm-hmm. I could, I could have heard them doing that song. I could also hear it appearing on like a late nineties, late Kravitz record, but <laughs> that was one of my favorites towards the tail end of the record. You know, my journey with this was the first three songs, I my interest was peaked just because I heard the King's X similarity, and I'm a big fan of that band, and I've never really heard another band that sounds like them. Right. To be quite honest, I mean, they are, they are pretty unique in terms of their sound. Mm-hmm. Um, this band isn't, I don't think they're that technical, and they're raw sounding, I guess, than King's X. Um, there's also, uh, in that first three songs of the record that sort of almost first quarter of the record there's definitely a kind of funk element at times but it's not funky yeah that makes sense like you get riffs that are like oh it's kind of a a funk riff but then when the rest of the band comes in it doesn't it does what i like in terms of when you hear that those kinds of elements and as in individual instruments but the rest of the band doesn't just do the obvious you know they'll you know the drums will be in like halftime or you know the the vocal melody will be something totally different than you expect and so you get those like funk or traditional blues kind of either sounds or feels from the riff from here and there or maybe even from the drums but like they do a good job uh keeping it original and not falling into you know, sort of cliches when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. But it was really track four through six where I felt like the band was able to establish who they are. I think track four in particular was probably my favorite from the record. It's a little plotting. It almost has a, a cashmere kind mm-hmm. of rhythm to it with the vocal performance and, and just how they layer the that acoustic in through the whole song. I thought was pretty, pretty special. 
And then I think they carry it through. I think Turn is uh, is another good one, and I think Choke is a really good song as well. Um, and then I think the rest of the record starts to get more spotty after that, but it definitely hits a sweet sweet spot for me right in that uh, sort of, uh, I guess it would be the second second quarter of the record. With regards to track four, which is Waco, which is the one you just mentioned, it was yep. the lyrics. Did you dive into those much at I all? I didn't. I didn't. So it's about Waco. Uh-huh. And it compares, there's a line about the U.S. About, the U.S. government has never spoken of explicitly, but there's a line about, this isn't much different from 1933, which was, I was like, is he talking about the Nazis? Like, there's all this stuff about, like, the, they're coming to get you and stuff like that. And I was like, huh, this is <laughs> like, this might be the first pro Waco song I've ever heard. Yeah. of political and social commentary throughout a, a number of the songs yuppie nation track 11 yeah yeah and even track two conform but the waco song kind of threw me for a loop because i was just like uh yeah i don't i don't think we i don't think there, <laughs> there might have been some uh some issues there but uh i'm pretty sure that uh the fault did not lay <laughs> at the people who were i think it was the crazy guy who burned everybody i don't I'm, i have to double check that yeah i i think this is one where with some of some of the political uh references and they're not quite clear to me what the if there's a clear sentiment there yeah um other than just frustration and angst some but uh yeah so what, what? there's a there's a reagan reference in another mm-hmm yeah song too yeah so what it's, didn't work for you well the songwriting's not fantastic there's you know the the hooks or choruses are, are lacking they fall into a lot of false choruses i don't know if you noticed that where they'll go into what's which should be the first chorus uh instead of doing it fully they just kind of like do a music version mm-hmm. of it and they cut it short and then they go back to the verse which can work if you've you write really concise songs and you've got a, a strong chorus. I think I know a lot of these in the majority of the record, it's either missing a chorus or if there is one, it's not, uh, it's not really structured in a way that you can, you know, it's not memorable. Uh, I think the, uh, another thing I really liked on the record is the guitar playing. I think is really, uh, especially from a lead and tone standpoint, it's, it strikes a really cool balance between I mean, obviously this guy can play, he can shred, but the tone used is like a really cool, fuzzy, kind of gnarly 
guitar tone at times, especially for the leads and on just, they just let it kind of get nasty and uh, get some feedback and just, you know, kind of uh, get the character of the fuzz through it. I felt the drumming's good, but there could be a little more probably going on. It really, it's pretty open and just lets the guitar and, and, and vocal really be the focus. So, I mean, I, I think in just in general, it's it's a lack of great songs. There's one song on here I just can't even listen to, um, Vampira Divine. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they use like a, I don't know if it's like a direct guitar tone or something. Yeah, I think so. That Darren and Internet. that like yeah. part. Yeah. It's just, I mean, the whole song has got it. It's just, it sounds awful. songs are long you know a lot of these can be trimmed up you know there's a couple that are in the three four range but a lot of them are are well over four minutes reaching into six and eight minute ranges yeah uh, which is not necessary not even you yeah i think is a prime example of what you're talking about with like the drummer that the whole thing is built around the drums for most of the song and they're just not doing anything all that special yeah when it starts off, it's kind of like, oh, this feels like, uh, you know, the drum beat to everybody wants some. Right, right. Halen. You're like, oh, this is kind of a cool vibe. But it's eight minutes of that. <laughs> it, uh, you know, the guitar and the vocal actually, you know, does some cool building and there's a pretty intense part in the middle. But when you listen to the drums, he's actually not doing anything different. He's just kind of hitting uh, some extra cymbals. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think if you're going to do an eight minute song, you, drummer needs to bring a little bit more creativity to the to the tune one issue i mentioned at the top there were some length issues is track 14 being 14 minutes and there's there's like a song there and then there's like studio talking and then there's like i think there's like part of another song and then there's more talking and it just like goes on and on and on and on it's like yeah i'm not sure am i supposed to listen to this are you guys just (laughs) screwing around (laughs) well the good thing with itunes is you can uh you can set tracks in there to end at a certain time. So right. that'll be one where uh, where I'll go ahead and just trim that off. What we, I feel like we should talk about that song. We talked about the politics a little bit, and that's a song where, you know, it's kind of a, it's acoustic thing. And I think the, I really like the vocal melody in that, even though it doesn't really, it kind of keeps building and building, but there's some uh, uh, interesting lyrics in here. <laughs> uh 
I think it starts off, fuck the TV, fuck the subtle subtleties. Mm-hmm. And then at one point he says something about suck a, suck a dick, I think. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I, uh, um, I, I did like how uh, the vocal is like, it keeps rambling. It almost feels like he's rambling. Like he keeps using the same melody and he keeps building it. And then it ends with the with the kind of the reference to the title, which is shut up and listen. So it was kind of a clever little kind of play there on talking, 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 and then sort of making the point that shut up and listen. Right. The the problem is, is that you're already at 60 minutes for this record. <laughs> right. And then you add another 14 minutes of that. So you take it to, you make it a 74 minute album. Ugh. that's, this is just, this is a prime example of abusing the CD format in yep. the nineties. Like at 13 songs in 60 minutes, kind of, I mean, it's a long record. I could, it's kind of doable, but then you just, I don't care what was going on in the last 14 minutes to wrap it up with a bunch of nonsense. It's just like, well, even if it, killer. they would cut, cut it off where the actual song ends, that's still a four minute song. Right. So let's talk about our overall ratings on this. Jay, were the album better EP or decent single? Where are you at? Hmm, it's gonna be tough. I mean, I I enjoyed this more from a mostly from a just a curiosity standpoint, like right. Which I still we still don't have many answers of who the hell are these guys and how, how did they not do more and what did they do before this and I mean, so uh, from that standpoint, I found it at least for me to be kind of a pretty compelling listen. Mm-hmm. I think I would, at the end of the day, be totally fine with an EP here. Um, right. You know, pull five, five or six of these tracks, the best ones, and I think it would be really special um, in terms of just a really unique sounding band with some really good performances, and some decent songs. You know, uh, you, if you edit it down, I think you could get to the to the better material on here, and I think you'd have something really strong. It's 14 songs and a hidden track uh well over would you say 65 or 70 minutes it's 74 minutes with the hidden track. yeah 74 minutes yeah no yeah it's, it. it's too long yep. it's too long and i i agree with you 100 percent. it's a it's a five or six song ep at best there you could debate which ones those are but i think at the end of the day it's just too long and if you got into there and and did a little more editing on uh, maybe uh, some of the longer tracks, maybe that would help too. But uh, it's close. I mean, it you know a couple tweaks here and there, it could be a solid eight or nine song album. But uh, as it stands now, it's it's close to an EP. So we need to thank Abe for his first of two uh, so far that we've gotten to. I want to remind everybody that if you want to make make a suggestion for the 2016 season. You head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com. You go to the request review page, and that's how you make a request. If you want to make a request for the 2017 season, you go to Patreon, you subscribe at 250. You get all the backstage, behind-the-scenes stuff. Join our board of directors. Help us pick albums in the future, and then you also get a review for 2017. And uh, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash digmeout or 
requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Calm down, calm down. <coughs> Still coughing? Yeah, I know. It's been the whole week. Jeez. Yeah. I might have to get an antibiotic. Um, no, don't do that. You're gonna hurt, you're killing us all. I don't care. As long as I'm I'm okay. That's <laughs> all right. Nice.